Uh, welcome to the Personal Best Podcast, powered by Jet Australia. My name is Bart. To my left is JK. Jacob Kettle checking in. How are you going, Bart? You like that, JK? Yeah, yeah. That's good. How are you, man? I haven't like I, we. I, I talk a lot on this podcast, but I, I, I sort of feel like I blunt your how you're doing. How are you? Jacob? I'm I'm doing great, mate. I'm swell. Um, training's going well. It's good. Um, trying to trying to get into it. You know. Yeah, rip in. It's that lull phase of the year, I feel like. Everyone's in a bit of a lull phase. Man, and you yes. kind of got to get through that. I've had a bit of a lull, but I think you need to just come out on the other side. If you if you look at like if the fitness industry as a whole, it happens everywhere. Mm. Although the pandemic's changed it a little bit. But, you know, everyone's motivated at the start of the year and then come April, come May. Challenges are finishing. It's getting a bit colder. People are finally going, oh, it is chilly out. I don't need to. Yeah. Do I, should I go to the gym? Should I go to the temperature-controlled gym? And they haven't figured out yet that maybe I do go. Yeah. yeah. And as, as is the... The terminology, the, the term of 2023, consistency is key. Consistency is key. I want to open up this episode with talking a bit about mindset. So, okay. do you know an actor called Ethan Suplee? I do. I have heard of him. He was the fat guy on How... No, not How I Met Your Mother. My name is Earl. Similar name titles, though. Yeah. That's very true. That's type of... Yeah, and type so, of time. And so, you're aware of his, his weight loss. I do remember he got ripped. Oh, at yeah. one stage and still is still like, is ripped like the, the story is really cool so you know he he had sort of an epiphany moment and he lost like 120 kilos like it's outrageous and yeah and so i'll put a photo in the video right now if great. you haven't seen it and so he's now jacked he's so jacked. jacked and the, the way he did it was really healthy so he said that he was you know eating a lot of carbohydrate and so sort of had a very poor relationship and concept of of food and then he, he sort of had this, this this turning point and started looking at this idea of consistency. So he introduced carbs back into his diet. He started controlling his calories and understanding calories more. And then over time, he slowly loses his weight. And now he's at a point where he's, he's actively trying to eat more calories to gain to gain mass and gain muscle. It's, it, it's an awesome story and a real, a real sort of through line for what can happen if we focus on consistency and focus on the fundamentals. Yep. But one thing I really liked, and uh, I sort of learned about it this week, I knew of his story, but didn't understand it about his mindset, is that he has, every time he finishes a workout, or used to, it's not so much anymore, he put a post up on Instagram that simply said, killed my clone. Okay. Every every workout. I don't know if, it, every, I don't know if it was every workout, yep. but you know, enough to, to, to build this um, this narrative. Yep. And the concept's really cool. He, he explains it as, you know, at the end of every day, I look at myself in the mirror and I ask myself, did I kill my clone today? And if, if he did, great, we're one step further. If he didn't, it's a, it's a bit of motivation to do something tomorrow to make sure that you are different the day after. It's just, it's, a, it's painting a picture of consistency. And it's one thing that we can, we can, we can take from this story too. Yep. At the end of every day, you know, if you finish your dinner, you're sitting on the couch at home, you have a cup of tea and you ask yourself, did I do something today to better myself physically, yep. nutritionally, career-wise, family-wise? And be really honest with yourself. And if you can't find a good answer for that, then that is motivation tomorrow to do something. Yep. And if we look at things all of a sudden in these 24-hour cycles, the bigger picture seems a lot smaller. Yeah. Because we have – I did hear a stat. I'm not sure exactly percentage. But, like, the thoughts you have – uh, yesterday was 80% of what you had today. So you're always thinking about the th- same it. things and you're doing the same things and you're really stuck. You kind of stay in that your personality is you and I'm like this and I'm thinking about this. Correct. And that killing my clone thing is 
someone like that, like over a span of 10 years or so, they're a completely different person. Yeah. You look at um, David Goggins and stuff, he was like this huge guy and a completely different person. You don't always have to be that same person a year down the track. Correct, and you shouldn't be. Mm. And, uh, uh, and this sort of sparked a... Um, it, it reminded me of... It's funny, I get a lot of my news through Instagram now, through an Instagram post. And yep. They were talking about, you know, everyone wants to have 10% body fat and be lean and be and be large, you know, if, that, if that's your yep. thing. But not many people want to live a 10% body fat lifestyle. No. They're not willing to make these changes, either consciously or subconsciously, to get to that point. And there can be elements of self-sabotage, you know, built in there. But it's it just reminds me that this whole fitness thing, this whole health thing is much more psychological than we think. Yeah. And that thinking of things in smaller bites, like the killing my clone 24-hour cycle, promotes consistency and promotes a regular check-in to make the bigger picture feel smaller. So I I really like it. I like that because it actually ties in well to what I was going to bring up, where do you have any enemies, Bart? (laughs) Do you have any enemies in the the gym, perhaps? Uh, Look, there is... They're made up enemies in my they're head. Made, that's good because I was thinking today that currently the NBA playoffs are on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the players, Dylan Brooks, is like the villain of the NBA at the right. moment. He's not the greatest player, but he is talking a lot of trash and bec- being self-proclaiming, basically, he's the villain of the NBA, which I think sport needs. You need a good villain. Right. He's not very good. He's very hated. And one of the games he's playing LeBron currently at the moment. Yes. And just someone asked him a question about LeBron. He said, uh, don't worry about uh, I don't worry about him. He's old. And then the next game, LeBron came out and absolutely just wept the floor with this guy. He, he shot terribly. And it was that thing of like sports of rivalry and having like something to play for mm. and like something to go against. And mm. I feel like you have that in sport, but in the gym you don't. And I want an enemy in the gym. <laughs> I want a villain. I want something because you know how people like go to the gym and they go after a breakup. They really just they're, ripping, they're angry yeah. and mm. they're just going at it, and they're hard. And then they get that what like single body like they're go- they're fighting for that because they're just thinking about f them, yes. f this person. I feel like I I I have motivation in the gym. Yes. But I'm not angry about anything enough. I feel like I need a gym villain. I need to see some guy <laughs> over there that I don't like. And he's, st- we you used to coin the term stealing my gains. So yeah. what a friend would be working out and we're doing the same kind of thing. And when then they would sneak off and do like a superset of like 20 more reps or something. And it's like, oh, you're stealing my gains. You're trying to be better than me. You're yeah. trying to up me. I feel like I need that. Dude, you need he, a villain. He, you need a villain. I need. Here's what I think you should do, right? Yep. I want you to pick someone. Pick someone right? at random. And then I want you to follow them <laughs> after they've finished that exercise. So I want you to do the exact same exercise that they do, just better. Just better. And then pick see, someone bigger. They've got yeah, to be bigger. I've got to be. And then just see if they reciprocate. See if you can build that. Yep. That ang- it's, a, it's a very angry sort of thing to do. But, mate, but there have been. There are there are some workouts that stand out in my head where I was. I was angry, I was frustrated, I was something, and I was ripping plates off the floor. Yeah. There is, there certainly is something within us, and I think particularly boys, because, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a masculine thing, puff your chest up and, and do all that. There is something in us that <laughs> that makes us, you know, lift more weight, there's a certain performance benefit from this. Doing mindset. that. Yeah. 
And you do that sometimes, like if you ever get on the treadmill or cardio machine and it's a psychological thing where if I got on next to someone that was going on previous to me, <laughs> I'm not, I have to, they have to get off first. Like they started <laughs> before me. I'm not getting off before they got on, you know, kind of thing. So you just keep, keep going. And I reckon it's something that there should people do. You should, you know, face off with someone mentally. They could be the nicest person in the world. It doesn't matter. But you're, you're in a competition with them. Make it a competition because I feel like I'm too happy now at the gym. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too mundane and still. I, I think I need to chase a goal of beating someone. Hey, man, they, they I need a Dylan Brooks enemy in the gym. They get you moving, do, do it. Yeah. In fact, there's a, there's a guy I, I, I sometimes train with. <clears throat> I'm quite friendly with him. We're, we're good mates. But he, um, he gets really angry in workouts. But he sort of leverages it and understands it. So he's swearing to himself. And, but he, his explanation is that's, that's, how, that's how he vents. It's never, it's never to someone else. It's never anger pushed towards someone else. It's, yeah. just, it's just with him sort of battling his demons. And as soon as the workout finishes, he's just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. So, hey, if, that, if that's your motivation, if that's your leverage, lean in. Just don't let it affect other people. No, Jackie. definitely not. All right. Um, so I have something for you. Okay. It's a, it's a reboot of a segment we did a few episodes ago. Okay, cool. This like is <laughs> Shop Swap. We're back. In this ep- in this uh, in this segment, what I do is I find common supermarket items that people consume and give you better alternatives. Okay. All right. And today's a rather controversial one. Yeah, I see some items of food over there. Today we're so talking we'll about up and go. I love I love me an up and go. So firstly, and I, I'm scared for what you're going to say about my loved beloved treat. I've got to say, it's look, it's not it's not the worst thing in the okay. world, right? But there's, there's a few caveats I have, as always. <clears throat> Firstly, delicious. No matter what flavour you got, yep. there's a strawberry one that, that's quite good. Protein ones as well. Yes, there I are. I only get the protein ones now. Good boy. And we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, strawberry's my favourite. I demolished these at university, right? This and tuna was like my... Oh, yeah. My Univers- first year out of university, I probably ate too many up and goes. Correct. And so I had a colleague I used to work with, and he'd eat three of these drink i should say three of these for breakfast every morning all right so first of all, i just want to go through the macros um so it's 195 calories for 250 mils so it's a it's a slightly higher than milk milk's about 150 calories per 250 so it's a little bit higher okay. than milk, but the protein's higher than milk 8.4 grams of um, protein in the other one in the protein one i believe it's like 16 or 17 grams of protein which is pretty high uh fats 4.3 grams Carbohydrates, 28.5, which I think for breakfast is fine. But the caveat here is 16 grams of that is sugar and it's added sugar. So it's uh, glucose, cane sugar and fructose and perhaps some, some more natural sugars coming from the oat flour or what, he- what have you. 16 grams is too high for me, right? And so firstly, if you're just having one of these for breakfast, I don't think you're getting enough, particularly enough protein. It's only 200 calories, so I, yep. my, my lean into with breakfast is this breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, yep, and then dinner like a pauper. I, I really like that concept Okay, because we know the extra calories that we're going to get for breakfast if we do eat too much. We'll, we'll, our body will find a way to use them, hopefully, throughout the day. And so I want to have a bit of a chat about the protein. So people see 8.4 grams of protein, they think, great, that's 8.4 grams of protein, that's pretty high. But remember, I serve... What I like to consider a serve is about 30 grams of protein. Yep. So if you wanted to get 30 grams of protein from just your up and go, you'd need to have three point something of these, but you'd also need to consume 600 calories. 
Yeah, that's too that's too much. Correct. So the calorie to protein ratio is what I'm talking about here. And this is the same for you know high protein muesli bars, high protein, etc. We need to find a way to get our protein with a, with a better ratio of protein to calories. And so I've got a simple solution for you today. Yeah, please give right. me it. I'm a big fan of Chibani yogurt. I'm also a big fan of Yopro. Okay. Right. In the sachet, easily as eatable, digestible, consumable as your up and go, right? What you're getting here is 15 grams of protein for 93 calories. So more protein for half the calories. So if you grab this, you grab a banana, it's going to be the same calories as an up and go, more protein, less processed foods, high in potassium, good carbohydrates, a good source of energy. Yep. Grab and go. And then if you want to add some fat to that, just grab a few nuts and there's your whole food breakfast rather than this, um, again, delicious and has a purpose in some instances, but it is very hyper palatable and hyper processed. This is a much better option for you. Yeah, and I feel like people go for the up and go just because it is so you can grab it in the morning in yeah. the car. It's packaged pre already for you, that Absolutely. kind of thing. It's it's a liquid breakfast, good to go. But it's um, easy. It's right? easy. That's but, the main thing. But, but and if you do want to have a liquid breakfast, all it takes is you know being a little bit more prepared and just having a smoothie. You know, popping yep. popping that in the cup and taking that and there you go. I've I've changed up my breakfast. Do you know how I I was a smoothie guy? Yeah, generally. I go through phases. Yeah, it's probably it's, it's probably like a block. I go through like a three month block where I'll eat the same thing for breakfast every yes every every day. Um, and then I went through my smoothie bro- block. Then I went through my um, omelet block. I'm into my yogurt mix block. Nice. Um, so I'll do a shop swap for you instead of YoPro. Yeah. Um, also, if you go. Coles, if you go to Coles or Woolies, probably have the same one. Yeah, Coles have their generic brand, yes. and then they have a protein yogurt uh, brand as well. Good man, cheap and good. And then I add protein to that, add muesli, bananas, all the rest of it. It's schmicko. Schmick. That's schmicko. great, and that's a good breakfast. Yeah, I also had a bit. I had a bit of a thought as well about calories and food labeling, and I thought, well, how accurate is it, right? And so I did a little bit of research and in Australia it's the legislation around the accuracy of food labelling is a little bit convoluted. I couldn't find a percentage. By what do you mean by food labelling? So if, if if this says it has 195 calories, yep. how do we know this exact thing that's in my hand has 195 calories? And we can't yep. we could we can never exactly know no. unless I pour out and somehow measure all the calories in my food. Did you do that science it. experiment uh, as a Teenager with a Bunsen burner. Yeah, you'd like burn it away to see how much calories. The calories, I yeah. do. I do remember that. that. That takes me back. Did you when you went to high school? Did you have to get a Bunsen burner license? Yes, I think. Yeah, I did. that was a yeah, thing. Hey, that was a thing. Good times, and you had to wear the coats and the glasses. Yeah. Fun. So anyway, calories. Um, how do I know this is 195 calories? I'll never know. And so I had a look. I had a look into this. In the states, it's very clear. There's a 20 percent swing under or over. So a food. Um, a food company can have their label on the food and still have their calories be 20% over what it says on the label. Okay. Which in some instances can be, it can be a lot. That's and, a, yeah. and that adds up. And the same as under. In Australia, it's a bit more convoluted. There was a, there was a couple of analyses where they found that some food was uh, 13% under and some was 60% over their food label, the actual calories in that thing. Was that Australia they found? Correct. 
but how how well that analysis was and what foods they use, I don't really know. And so I suppose it's a, a it's a a user beware sort of thing. Yes, it says one hundred ninety five calories, but there could be a swing either way, which is just another another fork in the pitch. Is that a word? Another another. I, I don't. I let you do it because I feel line like in the sand. Another another notch on the bedpost. That's <laughs> the wrong one. Of eat whole foods. Cook your own food. You know exactly what's going into it. It's going to be so much easier to manage your weight rather than trusting food labels. But how do you know how much is in whole foods, mate? That's exactly the ground doesn't tell you how much calories is in it. No, it doesn't. You're right, and even that fluctuates. Like even seasonal variances of food will fluctuate in how many calories, how many macronutrients, etc., um, are in there. Right. Mm. Anywho, um, last week we talked about push-ups because there's a, a guy doing a hell of a lot of push-ups. Yep. So I wanted that. I did a little bit. <laughs> my week's been great. I did a little bit of digging um, into feats of strength because that, in essence, is a, a feat of strength endurance. It right? is. Yep. Some call it that. And then I looked at like these old timey strong men. I'm talking like 1850s, 1900s. With the mustaches men. and the big dumbbells. Mate, you got it. And with those. Remember the big show from WWW? Of course I do. How he had like that, like the suit he wore, like over one shoulder. Yep. They wore them too. It was cool. And so anyway, there was this one strong man that, that really piqued my interest, right? His name is John Holton, and he's known as the Cannonball King. So other than doing like really strong circuit, circus presses and zircher squats, he was a really strong guy. He had this one circus act where he'd, just, he'd come in, he'd have like a vest on, a cannon would be rolled out, is this an episode of The Simpsons? Because well, uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> okay, go uh, on. I think this is obviously where The Simpsons got it from, okay. right? Yeah, they know everything. Anyway, at point blank range, the cannon would fire a 22.5 kilo ball yeah. and he'd catch it. Wow. And he had to, he had to wear gloves because it was really hot. Yep. And so, and, and that, that was the act. And people were like, that is BS. You are not doing that. That's a fake cannonball. But it was true. And so he, his whole stick was, if anyone else can catch this cannonball, I'll give you... X amount of dollars and no one could. Did so anyone try? Yeah, like a hundred or so people apparently. Did they die? Well, I don't think so. Okay, but imagine that. Imagine standing there. How far, so how far away from it? Like they said, point blank. But I reckon it was like maybe two or two or three meters. Okay. And hundred miles an hour, and he caught it. Wow! And that's is that. That's pretty. And like coordination and strength. Or is it just timing of when the thing goes off and a bit just of, catching a it? Bit of everything. Hey, that's pretty crazy. It's like the um. There was one guy that. It was, it was a total farce, but his act was he'd catch a bullet in his teeth. I do, I do recall that. And I think was I that th- fake? Which, uh, utterly. And then I think one day they forgot to put the fake bullet in. Shot him in the head. Yeah, it didn't end. It didn't end very well. Oh, okay, good, good to know. But <laughs> on that thank note, you. let's let's ask some questions. Let's, let's go some straight into some questions. All right, question one. Does training in altitude-controlled rooms have an extra effect on my fitness, or is it just a gimmick? Very cool. So altitude um, chambers have been around for a while. You've, you've seen these before. I have. Yep. And, and so there's, um, there's a few entities out there that, 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 have, that have started that use this, this science, right? Yep. And have, you, have you ever been to altitude before? No, I haven't. I've been at altitude. Right. Some, yeah. How high? We're all at an altitude. Well, well, technically. Technically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I can't, I can't, I couldn't tell you about I have it. a story for you. Yep. So I used to run a lot of Spartan races. I, I loved it. And my specialty was a 21 kilometer beast course. And so me and my partner went over to the States to run a half marathon up a mountain in a place called Breckenridge. 
Breckenridge is two miles above sea level. Okay. So 3Ks. And so this is very naive of me because I didn't understand how my body acclimated to climate and how it would affect my body. So we went to Denver, which is one mile up, and we spent maybe four or five days there and I could feel it. Like my breathing shortened. And then as soon as we went to Breckenridge, which is another mile up, like my I was getting short of breath and I was gasping for air. So I didn't I didn't sleep for a couple of days because I couldn't I couldn't relax my body. Just in general or while you were working out? In general. Okay. Wasn't working out because I was prepping for this for this race. And so the day the race came and I was actually feeling all right. I must have acclimatized a little bit. But the funny thing is is that I, I, I rocked up wearing just tights, no shirt and my shoes, and there was people with like with like jackets on and like canisters of oxygen. So I, I went in totally unprepared. Yep. And, and so you went up this mountain and obviously my, pa- my pace was very slow because I just, there, there was, my body wasn't acclimatized to taking that oxygen. And so lo- long story short, I went up, it started raining, it was really cold and I didn't have any clothes on. And then I came down, finished the race really slow, but I finished it. And then we came back down to sea level. And the so and so I think at that time I would have spent maybe eight, eight or nine days at least a mile above above sea level. <laughs> and the next training session I came back, I felt incredible. So yep. there must have been some sort of adaptation. And the way altitude works is it increases what's called EPO, urethropoietin, which is which you made, which is what Lance Armstrong doped with with blood blood doped with. Okay. Um, and what it does is it just helps carry oxygen more efficiently to your muscles. And when you're at altitude, you have more EPO, you can carry oxygen better, really good for um, uh, endurance training. Yep. And the blokes that won that Spartan race were the ones that lived at altitude. Yeah, okay. So every single one of them was either in Denver or in Breckenridge living there, training there. And so what we can take from this is that if we live in altitude, we're going to reap these benefits because the body takes time to adapt. adapt. Yeah, because uh, didn't isn't there like I heard it's about if people go in for fights or in races or stuff like that in these areas, it's, they generally give themselves like a two week window beforehand yes. to go there to acclimatize. But it's also almost the same if you leave, mm. where even if you live there, those two weeks are over. You almost lose that ability after that anyway. You do. There's a time frame which I think you're right. I think it's probably about two weeks ish. Where, so if you live in altitude and come down and compete at sea level, you're going to have an, an That's advantage. That's the advantage, yeah. Yep. And so, so if, if, if you're doing the opposite, if you live in altitude, come down to compete, you know, you'd come down the day before. Yeah. So you still got the adaptation. Reaping the benefits. Correct. But if we look at what we're trying to do with these altitude-controlled rooms, you know, we'd go into that, that gym or that facility maybe an hour, you know, two to, to four times a week, depending on our training schedule. And whether or not that's enough to adapt to that, that altitude, uh, is we don't know because there's no research about no. it. But my speculation is it's probably not going to do much for you. Yeah, because you're coming straight out of it again, and then you're just living at correct. Or well, and really, all it's doing is making the workout harder because you can't get enough oxygen in, yeah. which may, which may again we don't know, posit a benefit, but. Unless you're sort of living living in altitude, as far as we know, you're not going to get much uh, much advantage. Cool. Um, which and have you seen those? Do they make them colder as well, as well as the oxygen? I feel like I'd want the cold experience yeah, as well. I wonder if taking, if, I wonder if compressing the air, or taking the oxygen out of the air, makes it colder inherently. I wonder if there's some sort of chemical air temperature. Yeah, because I don't want just 
the air taken from me, yeah. at least making an experience where I feel, feel freezing <laughs> so I can work up my body temperature. Give me something. Awesome. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, question two. I play footy on the weekend and train twice per week. Will all that cardio take away from my gains in the gym? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of people in this situation. And if we're talking about um, if we're talking about AFL, there's a little bit more. I'd say doesn't mean he's talking about AFL, no, but doesn't. footy doesn't always mean AFL. In we're in Queensland here. That's right. We're open to everything. In fact, it might mean soccer. Oh. <laughs> no, they don't say footy. They say football. They do. You're okay. Right. Um, so with the code, you're doing a bit of running. Yeah. And there's a bit of cardio inherently built into your um, uh, built into your week. And look, it may it may take away from what you're trying to do in the gym, but have a think about like there are some seriously jacked NRL and AFL players, right? Yep. If you have a here's one for you. If you have a look at Levi Casbolt at the start of this season, okay, he is ginormous. Whatever he's been doing, incredible, and he runs you know close to 15 k's a match. Not, yeah. Not not to take in the training. So the, the 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 proof is in the pudding is can you do a hip cardio and still be large and, and, and get a bit of muscle gain? Absolutely. But it all comes down to, you know, a number of factors. So we know you're gonna be training you're gonna be training twice a week for footy. Yeah. You're gonna be competing on the on the weekend for footy. Um and that's gonna be a mainstay. So we can't change that. So we need to make sure that we're recovering from that, we're fueling for that and making sure we're in the right state. So whatever training we do around that facilitates both situations. And so when it comes to people who do a lot of cardio, my go-to is, all right, we know you're spending a lot of time in this aerobic energy system, uh, low power, uh, long duration. In the gym, I want you to do the opposite. I don't want you to do more of what you're already doing. Okay. So often that means heavy weights, low reps, and long rest. So we're sending sort of polarizing signals. And I've found, and it's the same with endurance runners, you know, marathon runners, um, cyclists, what have you. I've found if, if muscle shape and size is what you're after as well, polarizing your energy systems is, um, is a good way to go about it. But we also need to make sure we're eating enough, particularly if you want to gain muscle. Definitely. So you're going to be expending a lot of calories through, through footy training and, and competing. So you need to make sure we're getting enough calories, make sure we're hitting our protein targets, and keep your mind on your training days and on your competing days, on your game days. You're going to need more calories because your your body requires more calories. Yep. And remember, if we want to build muscle, we need to be in a calorie surplus. Yep. So we need to make sure we're, we're accounting for that. And um, have a look at your programming. Um, if you if 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 your if your program in the gym is like you know, um, eight sets of twenty reps, you know, it's it's not going. I don't. It it could help you build muscle in this situation, absolutely. But yep. I think the opposite is going to help. Go go heavy and, yeah. and rest lots. And I think that eating, like for footy players, that eating thing is quite true. Like, look at the footy players. If you look in your team, mm. you look at the big guys on your team, you might, tr- might train as hard as them and you do all the same things, but you dig in deeper. They are the ones that are strict about what they're eating. They're eating at 12, like they're mm. eating heaps. So you're probably good at training, doing all that. You're not as good at upping your eating game it Correct. should be a punish sometimes probably if you're playing that much sport yep. and trying to gain muscle eating becomes not fun it's sometimes true. so you're probably not good at eating, eating. enough cal- calories get better at and protein eating. so yeah quit training so hard no <laughs> keep training hard but up your eating eat just as hard 
Okay, question three. How do I maintain muscle when in a calorie deficit? Yeah, this is, this is cool. This and is good, but... There is, a, there is a few things... Uh, there's a few things that can help. We know hitting our protein targets uh, is, uh, can help starve off muscle wastage. So the, the tip here would be... So if you, if you think you're hitting your protein targets, but you've never actually counted your protein or, or tracked your protein, do it. Because... I hate to say it, but like nine nine times out of ten, people are off. Mm. You, know, you, th- you think, and like we, we talked about this before, like if you have two eggs for breakfast, a slice of ham for lunch, and a chicken breast for dinner, it's not enough. Like no. a, a serve, remember, thirty grams, and if you need one hundred and twenty grams of protein, which is reasonably low, but where most people should probably start is you need to have four lots of thirty gram serves, which which is which is a lot. So, so step number one is keep your protein high. My second point is don't just cut carbohydrates. Because yep. there's a psychological component here. Because if you just cut all your carbohydrates, you're going to lose a lot of weight initially because the, the actual carbohydrate stored in your muscle goes, the water that's holding it there goes, and you get an initial large amount of weight loss. But then all of a sudden it plateaus and you start playing tricks in your head. You know, I lost two kilos last week, but this, I didn't lose any, any, any this week. Yeah. And then those thought patterns, we talked about mindset before, they inform your behaviours. And so carbohydrates give us energy for our workouts. We know this. And more effective workouts means higher potential for adaptation. So don't just cut the carbohydrates because you've heard someone on Instagram say, hey, cut your carbs and lose a heap of weight. It doesn't work like that. It's all about calorie Surplus calorie deficit. We need you in a calorie deficit, not a carbohydrate deficit. So don't cut your carbohydrates um, and make sure you're recovering from your workouts. And again, have a look at your training. One of the best tips I ever had was in a calorie deficit, train like you're trying to build muscle. Because we need that signal to send our body to keep muscle on our body. If all of a sudden we go from heavy weights into lighter weights with higher reps, the signal that, that we're sending our body is optimizing. We're basically providing more of a cardio stimulus. So when you're in a deficit, go heavy. Train like train like you're trying to build muscle, but eat in a deficit to lose your weight. And I think that'll help keep the muscle on the body a bit better. And don't rely on cardio. If you just go cut the weights all together, I'm just going to do cardio. We know excess cardio in a calorie deficit has a higher potential for muscle wastage. So another recommendation is save your cardio until the end of your deficit. Only use it. Use it as a tool at the end. Create the deficit with your with your nutrition. Keep your weight training. And then when you're in your last sort of two or three weeks of your of your cut, quote unquote, add in a bit of hit, add in a bit of cardio to push just that push that lever a little bit more. Okay, that's a good one. Just aim for it. Nutrition first, cardio second. Nailed it. Well thanks, Bart. Hey, th- hey, thank you. It's been great. It has been great. I always forget, I get so excited at the start of episodes, but I forget to, to ask people to, hey, subscribe and follow the podcast. And, and if you took something from today's episode and you think there's someone in your life that could benefit from that, hey, share this episode with them. Yep. We, um, we want to get our message out to as many people as possible. Yep. And don't be afraid to send a question in any way you can. Socials will find them, email, whatever have you. But um, thanks, Bart. No worries. Thanks, Jacob. Keep being your personal best.